I believe that we heal to the level to which our mind is open to it. And so what you're doing is limiting the level to which your mind can be open to chronic pain. Being healed, if you say the best we can do is lessen it and deal with quote unquote flare-ups. If you're dealing with flare-ups, you have not addressed your chronic pain. You've helped to cope with it, but you haven't reached the root source of it and you haven't allowed that to heal itself. Hey, it's Zach here and super quick before we dive into the show. If you haven't already, I wanna make sure that you have subscribed to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'll even send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me slash newsletter. All right, on to today's episode. My name is Zach Arnold, and I'm a former Hollywood film and television editor turned career strategist and the creator of Optimize Yourself, where I help artists, creatives, and storytellers just like you design the more balanced, more sustainable, and more fulfilling creative career that you deserve. In a nutshell, I'm Tim Ferriss meets Ted Lasso, minus the mustache, because I am obsessed with both learning everything I can about optimizing human potential while also inspiring you to realize yours. If you are ready to step outside your comfort zone, let's dive right in and unlock the optimized version of you. Hello, and welcome to the Optimize Yourself podcast, where I share honest and candid conversations with best-selling authors, world-class athletes, Hollywood legends, elite experts in a variety of fields, as well as everyday people that are achieving extraordinary things. It means the world to me that with all the podcast choices out there, you have chosen to invest your valuable time, energy, and attention with me. Now, before we get started, don't forget to visit optimizeyourself.me slash podcast so you can subscribe, leave a review, and so you can also download your unique customized podcast playlist where I'm gonna send you the five best expert interviews from our archives to help you achieve your specific goals. So on that note, without further ado, let's get right to today's guest. Today, I'm excited to share part one in a brand new three-part series discussing all things chronic pain. This is an overlooked topic absolutely necessary to address, given that you can't be at your creative best if your body is in constant pain, you have constant headaches and migraines, you are overwhelmed with anxiety, or you are constantly distracted by brain fog. This three-part series is designed to give you three very different perspectives, as well as a variety of strategies to help you deal with your chronic pain and get back to doing what you do best, which is creating cool stuff. Now, when you're done with today's interview with somatic movement teacher expert Julie Farbaugh, make sure that you keep going right into part two of this series with editor-turned-chronic-pain therapist Anna Holtzman. So on that note, without further ado, let's get right to today's guest. I'm here today with Julie Farbaugh, who is a assistant editor in reality television turned of all things, a bodywork specialist. You are on a mission to educate anybody that has chronic pains, injuries, headaches, and even emotional suffering that you hold the ability to not just lessen your pain, but to cure it. And as a full disclaimer to anybody that is watching or listening, one of the most common questions that I get via email, via social media, and especially when I meet people in person is, Zach, how do you do it all? Spoiler alert, I don't. Julie is also known as Zuli. 
You are basically the extension of my brain and the vast majority of the creative work and otherwise that we do at Optimize Yourself. You are a major, major part of this journey and you have been a part of my team and essentially my left hand since about the beginning of the pandemic and have worn, I think, pretty much every hat done, every role, which as we're going to learn is a very common theme in your life throughout today's interview. Um, But this has been a long time coming, getting this off the record, ongoing conversation on the record. So I'm going to shut up for a second and I'm going to say, Julie, it's a pleasure to finally have you here today. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's very interesting listening to so many and obviously working on so many and meeting with you so much throughout the week. It just kind of feels like another team meeting, which is great. And I, and I want to keep that friendliness going, um, but there's a, there's a lot of value that you have provided to my life professionally, somebody that's been on the team. Uh, you've also provided a tremendous amount of value to me personally in all of the things that you've learned about body work and healing. Uh, and if I... If I were in the position of having to explain the work that you do, my simple response would be, I have no idea how to explain what it is that you do because you're not, and we, we can talk about all the various things that you've learned about and the different practices, um, but you're not a massage therapist, but what you do is kind of sort of similar to it, but the effects that come from and the outcome that comes from doing the body work with you is number one, nothing short of transformational. Number two, makes absolutely no sense. It just makes no sense. Like we've, we've done yeah. several treatments now and it's like, I don't understand what's happening, but oh my God, do it again because it has <laughs> just completely unlocked my nervous system. And so just years and years of chronic aches and tightness and injuries and whatnot. Uh, so we're going to talk so much more about chronic pain. I know that one of the things that's really important to you is not only talking about how do we better manage it, but that the, we are actually able to cure it and eradicate it. And we yeah. are going to get to all of that. However, you have a really interesting origin story. And I want to talk about where you were when you and I first met. Uh, hell. I was in hell. I was 10 years into working as an assistant editor. Actually, no, the first year of that, I actually did research. That's how I got into the industry. It was just kind of a job that was offered. I never sought that, was never really interested. I had just graduated college and had no idea what I was going to do with my life. And so I took it because it was an opportunity to live out in Los Angeles and coming from Haven, Kansas, that just sounded kind of exciting. So yeah, I was in hell. It didn't take me very long to realize that not only was the entertainment industry actually as a whole not where I belonged, But it really didn't take me that long to reach absolute suffering. But what had happened was I got into that career because I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And that career was financially supporting me so I could stay in California, which I wanted. And it just kind of breeded this whole decade of, yeah, just depression, anxiety. And so I ended up finding Optimize Yourself. And you were just like this light shining. I was so grateful to find because here's someone who's working in the entertainment industry, but you weren't like anyone else I'd met before, which was angry. Just, I don't know. I won't even go into it, but you know. So Well, actually I do want you to go into it. 
Oh, sure. I want, I want okay. you to talk about what, what, what are all the things that you would expect from somebody that works in the entertainment industry, specifically in post-production, and how finding, I'm going to step away out of myself for a second, but finding this person um, that was in the industry that was doing things differently. Yeah. So really the main thing I'd found was just no regard for people as people. No real need, it seemed like, to treat people like humans. Um, People are objects to get things done that advance you and the home that you live in. So it just kind of became this experience of you have to say yes. That's what I believe. That's what I thought. You have to say yes. That's how you keep up. That's how you advance. That's how you keep getting the next big show. And that became part of the problem, too, is it's always waiting for, oh, the next show. Maybe it's just just this show that's hell. You know, it's kind of that mindset. The next one will be better. If I work harder and I pay my dues and I just sleep for three weeks in a row is what it felt like, then then I'm going to make it to the next show that's going to be better. And it just couldn't be further from the truth. It never really stops. The people are, um, they'll take from you whatever you give. That's what I found. I just didn't know my own limit. I didn't have a limit. The pattern that you're talking about is not just working in reality or working in post-production. Uh, I believe it's far more pervasive throughout not just our industry, but other industries as well. But the pattern is a very specific one that I've talked about with a multitude of other clients and students in our program that's almost identical to the patterns that you hear from people that have been in abusive relationships. Well, they felt really bad about what happened. They're going to apologize. They got me flowers and it's going to be better next time. Mm -hmm. And just that emotional feeling of being trapped in an abusive relationship is the way that so many people explain to me the relationship that they have with their careers in this industry. Yeah, absolutely. And the worst part to me, I didn't know this until I was out for about a year, the, the extreme grief and anger that you experience towards yourself. Because it finally hit me, I allowed that. I didn't have boundaries. I didn't say no. This I can't blame anyone else for any way that they ever treated me in the entertainment industry because I allowed it. You know, I'd get pissy and moan about, oh, no, I have to stay late and work this insane shift. But I said, okay, and I did it. So as, as frustrating as it is, it is like an abusive relationship where same thing. It's it's up to you to make that choice to leave or change it. One of the things that uh, is, and I'm going to continually try and remind myself that I don't have to tell you as you and I have talked about, because you are literally the extension of the inside of my brain. So I'm going to refrain from doing that and just assume you and I have already had these conversations. But one of the things that you know that you and I have talked about and that I talk about in the program all the time, especially with several of my private clients right now that are dealing with something very similar, is that we train people on how they are allowed to treat us. And you yeah. trained the people around you for years that it is okay to take advantage of me and exploit my time and my expertise. So I love that you have taken responsibility for it. And this kind of goes a whole lot deeper into a lot of my beliefs just about how it is that we manage our situations and manage our lives. None of this is your fault. However, all of it is your responsibility. And the fact that you're taking responsibility for the fact that you allowed it to happen and you can't say that it's all on them, that to me is such a huge step for anybody is this awareness and acceptance of this might not be my problem or my fault, but this is my responsibility to fix it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
So given all of that, remind me, I literally don't know the answer to this at this point because it's been so long and the amount of memories and situations all kind of gums together. I literally don't remember the first time that we met. Ooh, I'll tell you. So yeah, I had reached out genuinely to say thank you. Uh, Thank you for all the work that you're doing. It was so nice and refreshing to find positivity for the first time in this industry. And that led to... You were, I think there was a hike coming up. There was some kind of Spartan training coming, coming up. And you had said, if you're, you know, interested in this kind of people, there's more of a tribe like this. So we can do that. So I don't remember exactly which kind of hike or workout it was, but I just showed up to that and it was, I was in ever since. Mm-hmm. My, the, I can guarantee that my first memory of you does not align with the first time that we met, but you know that I've told this story like 78 different times, but my first memory of you where it really stuck in my mind who you were and it could have been a month after we met. I honestly don't remember, um, but we ran a Spartan race together mm-hmm. and I believe it was a Spartan super. So at that time it was maybe seven, eight, nine miles. And I knew of you, you'd probably been a couple of the hiking groups and I remembered your name and whatnot, but I didn't really know you. And I was just absolutely floored by the look on your face during this entire race. And it was exactly the look on your face that you have now. Uh You were crawling under barbed wire and you were going through mud and doing all this hard stuff. And I swear to God, I couldn't have used a fire hose to wipe the smile off your face. I'm like, who is this? What is wrong with you? Right. But it just showed that it's all about perspective and it's about attitude. And I've seen that exact same attitude just pervade through everything that we've done. We've had to solve so many complex problems and still solving complex problems and challenges. And behind the scenes, optimize yourself is a little bit of a shit show as we try to figure all this out and grow and scale and expand. Um, And every time we have something that we need to deal with, good, bad or otherwise, you've got the same smile on your face. And I swear to God, with a chisel and a hammer, I couldn't get it off of you. Where does that come from? Oh, man. I love that question because I would like to know too. I think my initial response to it is I I didn't have like this really exciting, beautifully painted experience of life. And so one thing I love about especially physical hard work when it comes to fitness, really pushing yourself, my favorite part about that is that you have to dig so deep. You have no other choice. It's you get out of all the scripts going around in your head and you have to find that place within yourself to keep going. And every time I find that place, she is so happy and she's so excited and she wants to play. And so the more you push that, the more the fire hose that there is, the more I just think it's hysterical and I want to show up. And you really just get to feel your own sense of power in moments like that. And it's so endless for all of us how much of that we have. And so it's kind of just that blend of, you know, a classic life problem when it comes to work. That's not really a big life problem, you know, so you can keep a positive mindset and work through it. Doesn't mean you're not going to get stressed and all those things, but it doesn't have to be debilitating. And so, yeah, I think that just comes from understanding that a lot of the things we think are terrible aren't really that bad. And then also just understanding that power we have within us. And it's, I don't think it's this really intense power that's always serious and goes for the gold. I think most of the time it's just, I don't know, it's playful. 
and it likes to crawl through the mud under barbed wire, I guess. Here's the reason that I ask this, and this is yet another question that I literally don't know the answer to. The person that you were when I met you, I guess it would have been probably six, seven years ago, to this day still have no memory of when that was and when that Spartan race, I think, was probably six or seven years ago. I'm curious, the person that I saw that had the smile on their face during the Spartan race that I couldn't take it off of, I tried. Were you the same person if I were to talk to somebody else that worked with you when you were an assistant editor? Nope. And I think that's why you probably don't remember me is because I was silent. I was very quiet. Um, I just kind of wanted to be in the dark corner and have no one really notice me. And But then within my close relationships, whether it's family or friends, not even all my family or friends, uh, but then, then I'm really outgoing and loud and I never shut up. You know, so it's kind of, I was always just scared to really be myself. So I especially understand why you probably don't remember me at all because I, I really wanted it to be that way for most people I met. And then, um, yeah, I guess the more I started stepping out into what felt right for myself, the more that kind of barrier or two ways of living just falls away and you become more authentic and you don't care anymore. So... So we're going to get a lot deeper into, of course, the body work, the chronic pain, all the other machinations of the things that you do now. But I'm curious, and this is similar to a conversation uh, that I had with Anna Holtzman talking about chronic pain, where you guys have very, very similar stories. Um, What was either the moment or the realization or the, the inciting incident where you thought, I got to get out of here and I need to think of something else to do as the path for me for the rest of my life? Oof, I had so many. That's the sad part. I knew for so long that's not what I wanted. I can't even put a number on how many times I had that thought. But what I do remember are the times it reached the point of, I will be homeless before I do this again. And towards the end, there were just a few moments. I think the most memorable one to me was Uh, One of my last few jobs I worked was still night shift. And this company was just really showing me how much I allowed. I'll put it that way. (laughs) And so I remember, you know, the shift just kept going. Then it was 4 a.m., 5 a.m., 6 a.m. And I remember going to the bathroom and looking at myself in the mirror and my eyes were like the color of your shirt. Just so red veiny, bloodshot. I looked like just a shell of myself. And I I looked myself in the eye and I said, I will not do this to you again. I just, I won't. We're getting you out. I don't care. Homelessness is better than this feeling. Granted, I knew I knew it wouldn't be. There's There's home for that. But you know what I mean? It's just like the fear I'd placed in myself about what would happen if I didn't have that job no, it was no longer relevant to me. It was all fake. So that was probably the most memorable one I had. It's just, it's painful to remember yourself suffering that much when you had a way out. There were so many ways out. But I really have compassion for myself because we just don't see it we're in the, when we're in the middle of suffering and we're really, you know, filled with fear about what might happen if we make a change. That's the number one thing I hear from most people 
in the industry that won out is it's like, well, I can't make this much money. Like I don't have something I can do that's going to provide the the income that I need to survive. And I let that rule me for just way too long. And it's funny how the moment you're outside of that fear, all these opportunities come in just within your mind and in real life. But all these different options really show up. And it's amazing how blinded we get by fear. Well, I know this wasn't an overnight transformation, but one of the things you made me think of when you said is that, well, I'm never going to end up homeless, but you kind of did. I know. Then but I, by choice. <laughs> so I, I know there wasn't like an overnight shift to get here, um, but you've been kind of sort of a nomad for a while now, mm-hmm. traveling literally all over the country. And it's not like you've been, you know, sleeping out of your car where you're literally homeless and no place to go, but you've made the choice to not really have one home base because you were in this position of, I would rather be homeless and not have this money coming in than ever have to put this person through this again, because she doesn't deserve it. So how did that transformation occur for you? That was after the realization that I had no idea who I was. I had spent my entire life. I mean, if you think about it, yeah, through school, then there's college, then right into TV. Everything I had ever known was to do tasks for other people, to pass, to keep my job. And so I was just one giant doormat that had no idea who I was. And it was basically kind of the thought of, I didn't even know where I would want to live if someone asked me because I've spent so long just working. I haven't really taken time to travel besides going home. So it was basically a dedication to me time to say, we're going to find you. We'll find out what you like, where you like to go, what kind of states you enjoy yourself in, what kind of ones you don't. I really needed to pendulum swing out of city life into more nature places, much more just space, less concrete, more dirt. And that's what that was all about. And then I just got addicted to it. You know, (laughs) it's like I wanted to keep traveling and explore. So... I have been. So what are some of the things that you learned when you did get away from the concrete and surround yourself with dirt and uh, either the things that you learned that really are helping you better understand who you are versus here's something that taught me something that I'm not. Just what what are some of the kind of the, the stories or the portions of the journey, whether good or bad, that have gotten you to a higher level of clarity about who you are now? Mm, great point. I would say... Really, all that nature time I spent showed me how much I need that. It showed me how much I've always been really into fitness and activity, but it showed me how crucial that was to me and my joy. I learned that I actually really love working with people. I don't actually prefer being in a dark room with a computer, which for a long time I thought I did. I was so introverted, it felt safe. But I found that, wow, I really love talking with people. And I'd always been so obsessed with the body and different ways of healing. And then once I started discovering that around Sedona, that's when everything really changed. And I started to feel this new person coming through that was just, yeah, so much more about connection and helping and purpose rather than just something that takes, you know, emails and then completes tasks. 
Which, by the way, you did a fair amount for me, and I very much appreciate yeah. it. There's a lot of, you know, reading and helping with emails and doing tasks and whatnot. But the mm-hmm. reason that I bring that up is that I think part of you finding yourself, because I've now seen a fair portion of this journey from the objective side of it, but I too am on a very similar journey. And it's one thing to say objectively, well, ugh, I don't want to spend my life answering emails and doing things on a to-do list. But as you've learned, there's a tremendous difference between doing things on somebody else's to-do list in reality television, for, for example, versus the kinds of tasks and things on a to-do list or emails that you're doing with Optimize, where one is as far from who you are as possible, and the other is much more aligned with your true purpose or your true calling, and it's still kind of busy work, and maybe you'd rather be doing something else, but it's way simpler and easier to work through those things because they're much more aligned with your purpose. So talk about how you might even be doing a fair amount of the same tasks, like you've been spending time in Adobe Premiere helping with the podcast, same tool, same environment, computer. But at the end of the day, how are these same tasks feeling so different and much more aligned with who you are versus who you are not? I love that question. It's because I believe in what's going on behind the emails and behind the premier projects. It's because what I'm working for has to me a really, really big purpose and meaning to it instead of something that it's like, there's no like, my best work is just rotting someone's brain more. You know, that's how I felt about the work I did. And I worked in reality, which I preferred, but reality TV for the most part, unless it was some grand nature documentary, eh, I'm not really changing a life. So the work I do now, yeah, I don't have a problem with emails and tasks and things like that because it's in alignment with something that's positive, that's helping other people. And it completely shifts the way it feels to do the work. So how did you know that that was going to be more in alignment with your purpose? How did you even know that you could still work in Premiere and you could manage emails and you could do tasks on a to-do list and in Trello and have uh, Mr. Magoo for a boss that forgets everything that he asks you and everything's a disorganized mess behind the scenes and you have to clean it up? How did you actually know this was in alignment with your purpose? How did you even have a purpose or a calling? Where did that come from? Oh, What a deep question. Well, what did you expect? You should have known better, right? right? You're the extension (laughs) of my brain. You should know the questions before I ask them at this point. I know I should. That's, I didn't even know how to really answer that question. It's, I felt so lost with who I was. I'm not even sure that I was aware this was, well, I was aware it was more in alignment with the purpose that I have because it was positive and because I was naturally drawn to it. So, to me, it just felt right. But as far as, I mean, you've, you'd asked before, it's more recently I've started doing stuff from Premiere. You'd asked before and I just did like a nope. No, I don't do anything with like editing stuff. I had a pretty big wall around that. Yeah, the, I just, it, I realized there was one way to instantly wipe the smile off your face. And that was to ask you to do anything <laughs> assistant editor related. And then the smile yeah. was gone. You're like, no, uh-uh, not doing it. I'm not doing those tasks. Right. A little bit of PTSD associated in those timelines. Right. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. 
But now once we've kind of worked through some of that and you're clear on, like you said, the work that's happening behind the work, even though you're not absolutely in love with the idea of being in a Premiere Pro timeline and assigning markers for YouTube chapters, it's you don't have that horrible aversion to it because emotionally you're more connected to the positive impact that has versus the negative impact that it has. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And it's it's actually fun. You know, when I first started being an assistant editor, I went from researcher to assistant editor because I saw shiny lights and buttons and it looked cool. Like that's the whole reason I got into it. Like this looks fun. And so it's reconnected me back to that place. Like, well, it is fun to be in a program with all these cool little buttons and things. And it doesn't have to be traumatizing because guess what? I get to place a boundary on when me working in that project stops. This doesn't have to be for 15 hours. So makes a difference. Speaking uh, along this idea of kind of finding purpose, getting more clarity on what it is that you want to do, the I've, in my mind, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the the next major milestone in this story or in this hero's journey for you was actually a very unexpected and very unpleasant event that was actually kind of the catalyst both for the work that you're doing now and for why we're actually on this podcast. And from my perspective, it started with Hey guys, I just posted this kind of little thing that I wrote about this thing that happened to me recently. And I remember reading it. I'm like, how do I not know about all of this? What in the world happened? And I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Are you talking about the uh, little car accident? I'm talking about the quote unquote little car accident. I feel like this is a, (laughs) a huge defining inflection point in your journey. And I don't think that you and I can talk more about body work and chronic pain and management versus eliminating it and all the things you're doing now without understanding this. Because if this were not a part of your life, I don't believe you'd be where you are now. I agree. You know, I fully believe that if you're not getting it, if you're not stopping what you should be stopping, life will do it for you. And uh, it starts subtle. It starts with subtle signs. You might have a backache. You might have that feeling in your stomach. You might have that little thing pinging you, head all, pinging you in the head all the time. Like, this is it, right? You blow past those enough. Oh, now something bigger happened. But if you keep ignoring it like I did, you get into a horrific car accident that totals your car and the other person's. (laughs) And yeah, basically the message I wasn't getting was slow down, stop. And I was incapable of doing that. Even though I had left the entertainment industry, it was really instilled in my mind that if I want to get anywhere in life, I have to keep pushing. I have to push harder than everybody else. And everything in my life just became so, I didn't even know the right word for that. Everything felt hectic. Everything felt rushed. And I wasn't letting myself get out of that. So I had gone on a road trip to San Diego to see some family. And that whole time I I was still working. And so I was working on my laptop. Then it'd be family time, then working, family. I'd stay up late to be with family. So then I'd get up early to be doing some work. And over the course of this four days, I just completely burned myself out. And even though I was already burned out. And so I was extremely underslept, extremely. And you've talked about this a lot where, you know, a a brain that's lacking sleep, it's the same as a, a drunk person. And that's what happened. 
I, I remember that whole day, I was just off. I was cloudy. I was really moody. And I was on an on-ramp to get uh, back on a freeway. I was trying to find gas. I couldn't even navigate my way to this gas station. It was like I was just gone. And so I was getting back on the freeway to try to get to this gas station. And I looked. That's the scary part. It's not like I wasn't trying. I tried my hardest to do this right. I looked all directions and I started driving and full speed, this car just hit. And it was a life-changing moment. And I've read about people having these life-changing moments in terms of car accidents or diseases. And I always told myself, like, we're not going to do that. We're going to change ourselves before we hit that point. And I didn't do it. I couldn't do it. The fear of what would happen if I slowed down was too strong for me to listen to any kind of possibility about living differently. So, yeah, that moment changed a lot for me. Uh, I went through quite a while after that of really PTSD because I had experienced not a traumatic event. It wasn't that it was just the car accident, but... It's like any, I've been in little fender benders and things and you see it coming. You have time to brace or be like, oh, no, no, no. You, you have that moment. This was completely, I was sitting just as myself and this horrific thing just exploded. I didn't know what was happening. Next to like everything's smoky and there's this weird bag and wires and I was so lost. And so really grasping with a sudden event like that took me out for so long that I was forced haha, to slow down and take time and really just be with myself and rethink about the way I was living. So again, if you don't do what life is nudging you to do, it'll, it'll make it happen. So just do it before a car accident. I'm curious. What would you say if somebody's response to that was, well, sometimes things just happen. You can't control car accidents and you just got unlucky. How would you respond to that? You know, I, I do believe that sometimes things just happen. However, not with that one. Not with that one. Because the before and after of that car accident was so drastic for me as a person that there's no doubt in my mind that was my, it wasn't a wake up call. It was a sledgehammer. You know, and it was just to me, there's no question that sure, sometimes things just happen. You slip and fall, what to do. But for something that stops your life in its tracks and shifts the way you live it, that's different. My sincerest apologies for the interruption, but if you're a creative professional who spends long hours at your workstation, not only is the following promo not an interruption, but listening has the potential to change your life. Because working with a topo mat underneath you at a height adjustable workstation is a game changer. Let's learn a little bit more from ErgoDriven co-founder and CEO Kit Perkins, creator of the topo mat. The topo mat is the first anti-fatigue mat designed specifically for standing desks. The real benefit of a standing desk is movement. We found 
bringing in this cushioned terrain under your feet, your brain just subconsciously engages and you wander around and you get that movement at the standing desk that you need without even having to think about it at all. People will come to me at an event or a panel and they'll say, I got the topo mat because of you. Even when they had a mat, once they used this one, it was a total game changer. We've just heard time and time again that with topo, we've kind of hit the sweet spot that it's the right premium quality materials and a right shape that people are actually getting benefit out of this stuff. You spend more time here than anywhere if you do creative work the way that I do. So I would rather be driving around in a Ferrari than a Ford Pinto. And I feel like this is the Ferrari of the standing mat. One of the things you don't realize is that at a standing desk, your main interface to the world, your body's main interface to the world is the ground. If you're gonna invest in anything at that Ferrari level, it should be what you're standing on. Well, my goal is that for anybody that is a creative professional like myself, that's stuck in front of a computer for inordinate amounts of time of their waking life, they're doing it standing on a topo mat. So uh, you and I, my friend, one edit station at a time are going to change the world. I like it. That's a utopian vision I can get on board with. If you're a creative professional looking for a simple and affordable way to stay active, energetic, and focused while spending long hours at your height adjustable workstation, I can't stress enough how important it is to have the right mat underneath you, which is why I continue to share the Topo Mat as my number one product recommendation. To learn more about the Topo Mat and purchase yours, visit optimizeyourself.me slash topo. That's T-O-P-O. Now we're going to have the benefit of hindsight, which is in order for us to move forwards and talk more about chronic pain and how it works and how we can manage it and the work that you do, I want you to use hindsight to talk about some of the chronic pain symptoms that you had that in hindsight, you're like, moron, why weren't you doing anything about this? So what, what are some of the things specifically that were manifesting that were so obvious in hindsight that maybe for others that haven't gone through a transformation as dramatically as you have can kind of be these, these check engine lights, so to speak, pun somewhat <laughs> intended. I love that. Yeah. So this is great because I think expanding the term chronic pain helps people a lot to realize that it's happening. Um, so chronic pain can be chronic tension. You could have that place in your back that's just kind of always tense. It could lead to chronic aches. There's just an aching. There's chronic injuries that start to happen. That same area, you just keep injuring. Um, and of course, chronic pain goes into more extreme things like fibromyalgia, things to that extent. But also chronic pain, I link in chronic anxiety, chronic depression, chronic emotional problems. And so the main things that I'd been experiencing, I had had a lot of depression and anxiety that I just thought, well, I just need to cope better. So, you know, I, I stayed on high doses of medication. I went to all the therapy I did the uh, life coaching, I did all the stuff, you know? <laughs> and, and besides that, I would have a lot of chronic tension in my neck and shoulders. You know, and that's where a lot of people I would work with be like, oh, this chair, this chair's off, or I need to like fix my keyboard. And I was kind of going through the same things. And now looking back, it's just like, I mean, it's not the chair. It's not your office chair. Sure, it makes a difference. Not that big of a difference if it's years of this chronic pain. So I would say, looking back for sure, all that anxiety, depression, back pain, it was just those check engine lights. And I, the sad part is I was doing what I knew best, 
to address those. I was trying, but I never dug deep enough to think of a solution that was perhaps bigger than a pill or a therapy session or a massage therapy session. Whenever I see somebody post in a Facebook group or whatever about like desk chairs, like you said, ergonomics or the mouse or the chair, like, hey, what what's the best desk chair that everybody recommends? Having a lot of lumbar issues, what has the best lumbar support? And I just desperately want to post the best desk chair is getting out of your office. That's mm-hmm. the best desk chair, whether it's for a 15 minute walk, it's for an afternoon or it's for a week. You want to you know, reduce or eliminate the, the lumbar pain, get away from your computer and experience a little bit of life and move your body, right? You're one of the, my favorite things that I learned from very early in the fitness and post days from an ergonomics expert that blew my mind was this thing that he called ergonomics 2.0, which is that your best position is always your next position. <laughs> Game changer for me. So now it's not about what is the chair, what is the mouse. I mean, yeah, there are things that can help with ergonomics. And I have some issues with chronic pain in my forearms because of the way that I'm typing all day long or all the crazy ninja stuff I'm doing with ropes and bars and whatnot. But ultimately, the more you're changing your position and getting away from the thing that's causing the pain in the first place, as opposed to try to cope with it or do the slight adjustments or the pillow on the chair or whatever, Like that's just kind of a microcosm of all these bigger changes that we're talking about. And what we're going to get to soon is what I know is a giant pet peeve of yours. Insert giant, giant exploding head emoji with fire coming off of it, of this debate between managing chronic pain and curing it. But I want to start with the management side, because this is where most people focus their attention. And it's not to say that there are bad things about learning how to better manage chronic pain. But obviously, if we can eliminate it and we can understand the root source and take a more holistic approach, we want to do that. But let's just start with the chronic pain management side of things to help people better understand what does that look like? What are the signs of it? Like you said, you've got the the pills or whatever it might be. But talk to me about your feelings when it comes to managing chronic pain and what that looks like. Yeah, trigger. Um, so managing chronic pain to me, what is most really shown as now is mindfulness techniques. If you really start digging into all these different methods that are saying, you know, will help with chronic pain. If you really dig into it, it has something to do with the mind. It's going into the mind. And a lot of the times it's using mindfulness techniques to basically lessen the pain, lessen the fear around the pain, lessen your kind of um, sadness around the pain, any kind of feelings that you have around your chronic pain, you're working to let that go so that your pain naturally decreases because it's not also adding in all of these extra reasons you're now even more tense. So what that says to me is there's nothing we can really do to take your chronic pain away. We're just going to help you cope with it. And that really pisses me off because it's like, now you're telling someone, oh, this is just you now. Sorry, we'll just help you cope with that the best. And sure, if, let's say, if that car accident I had, I shattered my body and now I'm a titanium robot on the inside, I'm probably going to have have to cope with chronic pain the rest of my life. That is, there are circumstances like that, sure. But as far as, It being just even fibromyalgia, you can absolutely take the symptoms of that away. But you, all these people hear about it as a life curse. I I believe that we heal 
to the level to which our mind is open to it. And so what you're doing is limiting the level to which your mind can be open to chronic pain being healed. If you say the best we can do is lessen it and deal with quote unquote flare-ups. If you're dealing with flare-ups, you have not addressed your chronic pain. You've helped to cope with it, but you haven't reached the root source of it and you haven't allowed that to heal itself. I believe that's what we call in the industry a mic drop moment. I want you to say this one more time because very rarely do I stop everything that I'm doing and think I'm going to have to stop listening and I need to write this down because this is a game changer mic drop moment. I want you to say again this idea about our, our willingness to accept healing. Yeah, you will heal to the level to which you're open to it, the level to which you believe it can happen. What does that mean? That just that, that, that just does not sound like the way that I've been taught in modern science and medicine. And if they're going to give me a pill that does the thing, it's either going to do it or not going to do it. But what does my mind have to do with any of this? Well, I'll put it this way. We don't know things until we're, we're taught those things. And actually, even beyond that, sometimes we do kind of instinctively know things. But if no one else is talking about it, if no one else is doing that, and if the specialist that you're seeing in the areas you're seeking help aren't talking about it in that way, you're probably going to shut that down. And so it's really about when your mind is open to an option, you're probably going to seek that option. And I'm thinking of a time I'd gone to, I'd spoken with you a few times about having some trouble sleeping. And so it reached the point I thought, well, let me go visit a doctor and talk about it immediately, listing sleeping pill prescriptions. And I started bringing up, well, what about different things? You know, I know that hormones have things to do with your sleep, like cortisol. I'm under just some higher natural stress. I'm pretty type A. So <laughs> there's that. And it was shut down like, no, um, cortisol doesn't affect your sleep at all. Cortisol only deals with rapid weight gain. And you're small, so you don't have a cortisol problem. And This I is was, coming from a medical doctor a medical wearing doctor? a white lab coat? in the coat. And I was so furious because I thought, I know better. My mind has expanded beyond these things that are being said in the room. But what if they weren't? What if they weren't? Then that person can only help themselves to the level of that knowledge that they were given. And that's what really pisses me off about <laughs> the concept of of managing chronic pain, of managing your flare-ups, is you're letting people know this is permanent. And the best that we can do is kind of lessen this pain, help you work with it more. You'll probably experience it less. You might have it less often, but when it does come up, you know, these are the ways that you can emotionally handle that. No, absolutely not. There's just an amazing option right here that's available to actually get rid of that chronic pain, whether it's tension, injury, headaches, migraines, emotional, whatever it is. There's an option for that, but we're just not taught about that. And I want to get more into that option, which can potentially be a real solution. But for a second, we're going to take a soapbox moment and you and I are going to get on a soapbox together. Um, and you've heard this many, many times and maybe my audience has as well. I've had to build an addition on my house to hold all of my soapboxes because I ran out of room. And this is one of the many. This is what I call the placebo effect soapbox. 
I've talked about this with many people, talked about it with doctors, talked about it with laypersons, talked about it with authors. And it infuriates me when people talk about the placebo effect like it's a bad thing. Oh, well, you know, you've got the placebo effect in these pills. And for anybody that doesn't understand the placebo effect, it's built into clinical trials for medication where a certain percentage get the real medication in pill form and a certain percentage get a sugar pill. And for a fair amount, a very high amount, much further beyond any logic or reason to the area of like, this doesn't make logical sense. People get the same results from a sugar pill as the other people that are getting the real pill because they don't know the difference. And when somebody says, well, yeah, that's just the placebo effect. My response is, who cares? They feel better. They're getting the results that they want. It doesn't matter if they had a certain chemical in their bloodstream or it was a sugar pill. Ultimately, the healing happened even in pill form because they believed that it could. The level of confidence they have in the doctor, the level of confidence they have in the medication, the fact that they were taking it activated something in their brain that we don't even understand, which is this should work. So I'm going to give it a try as opposed to if you were to give somebody something where they're convinced there's no way this could work. Guess what? There's no way it's going to work. So this idea of the placebo effect is so much ingrained in this and it drives me crazy when people say, oh, well, that's just a placebo. I don't care. I'm getting the same results. Why does that matter? And that's going to factor heavily into what you and I are going to start talking about next, which is this actual solution. But before we step off the soapbox, I want to give you your chance to, to stand <laughs> on the same soapbox because I have a feeling that you are, uh, are in agreement on this. Yeah, I love the soapbox. I, I also, I just don't care if it's placebo or not. Sometimes I'll just actively search for what activates my placebo. And it could be that these things are actually working. I don't know, and I don't care. I just think it's all about find what works for you. And I was talking with one of my brothers about this. And, you know, he was listing all these different kinds of things. And they were, you know, things that we've talked about before where it's like, oh, doing the sauna doing massage. I don't even quite remember. It was this big list of different just self-care things to do. And we had made that joke about placebo. And I said, just like you're saying, well, it doesn't really matter. Like find which one of those things on the list activates your placebo best. It doesn't mean that, to, in my opinion, it's actually not working. I think a lot of those things do. But for that argument that it's just placebo, agreed. If Sure. Okay. Well, I feel better. So... And I'm also glad that you pointed this out too, just so it doesn't get lost in uh, the rant, is that I'm not saying that the actual pills or chemicals or treatments or whatever aren't working and it's all placebo. I right. just want to point out that there's something else at play beyond the actual chemical formulation of any specific pill. So it's not me saying universally, none of the medications work and none of the treatments work and it's all based on placebo. People love to turn my words around all the time. And I hear people oh, yeah. will say at some event or whatever, like, oh, I know that you believe this. I'm like, no, I don't. I don't believe that at all. I said something kind of sort of similar, but it's been taken so out of context and people have played the telephone game that all of a sudden everybody says, Zach doesn't believe that luck exists. Oh, I do believe that luck exists. You're taking me out of context. And I want to make sure when it comes to the placebo effect, it's the same thing. I'm not saying the medication, the pills and the treatments don't have merit and aren't actually working, but we need to acknowledge there's something else going on with the way that our brains work that we don't completely understand that's also working in the placebo effect is the best way we have currently to describe it. I love that point that it's, it's a matter of our brains wanting to understand it and we have to let that go. Do so you want to feel better? Then just let that go. Maybe you'll understand later, 
But it's like you were describing the work that I do on you. You're like, I still don't know what happens, but it's like it's helping. So exactly. Let your mind catch up with it later, because I think that's one of the other soapboxes that I love to stand on is that our mind has to get out of the way. We're dealing with chronic pain, whether that's an actual like physical pain feeling or that's an emotional pain feeling. That's in the body. That is in the body. The mind at this point has nothing else to do with healing it as far as I'm concerned. Mindfulness techniques are fantastic for helping to prevent chronic pain. For example, if I were more mindful while working in television about my body's feelings when I get a yes or I get a no, I would have probably had a lot more fuel for boundaries. I would have understood. So mindfulness is great about going in and really feeling where are my boundaries? How can I place them? How can I prevent this mass amount of tension and depression and anxiety, uh, whether it's the job or the relationship or whatever it is? So that's where mindfulness fits to me. But when it comes to actually healing it, the mind, it's this is the body's time. It's been ignored. It's been trying to give you signals forever. And it's time to listen to that and hear what it needs and has to say. The, the other thing that I want to mention just on top of this, given that this is uh, an interview in a three-part series all about better managing and understanding chronic pain, and we have two other members of this series that are very much in the space of mindfulness and awareness and using this as a tool, I just want to make sure to be very, very clear that I think that is an absolutely essential tool in the toolbox, and I know you're saying the same thing. Uh, when people come out of the, the Optimize Yourself program, whether they're going the Focus Yourself path, the Advance Yourself path, or otherwise, in which we don't really spend much time on any of this specifically. But the point is that the number one piece of feedback that I get from students, and you know this because you help manage emails and testimonials and everything else, it's not, oh, you know, learning Trello was awesome, or I feel so much better about how to write an outreach email. It's I have such a higher level of awareness of what wasn't working for me before. And I now have the tools to have more awareness to make better choices in the future, whether it's saying yes to the right things, saying no to the wrong things. There is nothing in my mind more powerful than awareness. And once you have awareness, that's a switch that you can't turn off like, oh, I've got all this awareness. It's causing all these problems. Go away and just go back into my shell. Once you flip the switch on, you don't flip it off. And I think specific to chronic pain, all of the things that Christiana talked about, that Anna talked about using journaling and the creative process and meditation and mindfulness practices, I think they're absolutely essential. I just want to make that clear. So that when people are trying to parse these together, like, oh, is Julie saying that none of that is useful or makes sense? And you can expand upon that. I don't think that it is. We're talking about another layer that we get to add on to something that I think is tremendously beneficial. Agree or disagree? Fully agree. Yeah, there is absolute room for mindfulness techniques. And I think especially once you do find awareness, there's probably nothing more painful than awareness that first chunk of time where you become aware of not only what you're feeling, but what you've been feeling, how you've ignored it. Man, when that surfaces, you really need some tools. You need the journaling. You need the meditation. You need the mindfulness techniques to go in and calm yourself. That's crucial. And you're right that what I'm talking about is when we go a step further into the actual source of the chronic pain and helping to relieve ourselves of that. But that's just one piece of chronic pain because the whole reason it's there is for all those things before, that lack of awareness, that lack of connection to our body where we can actually feel what 
our boundaries should have been. So here comes the money question that's frankly going to be the hardest one to answer, because anytime that somebody asks me to answer this question, I have no idea how to do it. What is it that you do? <laughs> you know, what's funny is I even have a hard time explaining this. Uh, so the process that I do, I do a, a form called body memory recall. And this was founded by Jonathan Tripodi, who at the time when I met him lived in Sedona. And this body work absolutely transformed my life. And session one, I said, sign me up. I, I want to know this. I want to do this. And what that process does is it it's really, really, really focused on survival mode, taking you out of survival mode, that protective response. And that's what these other things aren't really addressing. So we all know of fight and flight, those two responses, but one that's a lot less talked about is the freeze response. And when that happens, we truly get locked. We get locked in a feeling, we get locked in the energy of that, we suppress, we become neck down dead. And that's where, you know, those check engine lights might be going off, but we're not quite getting it. So what the work I do does, it's essentially really connecting with the person and giving them a, a safe place to come out of that protective response. Because once that drops, then our body is able to start releasing these chronic tensions through a process that's called unwinding. And that is my favorite process in the world. So unwinding is when it's our body's innate intelligence. It knows how to do this. It will naturally start moving on its own. It'll move, shake, twitch, and just start to expel that suppressed tension, the suppressed energies, the suppressed emotions, experiences that were all trapped by us being stuck in that freeze response. So I don't know if that explains it a little bit better. We'll obviously dive deeper, but that's kind of the overall theme of what I do is I help you drop out of your protective response and show you this is all the person. It's not me. That's what's different about massage therapy or any kind of thing like that. It's we're all capable of this process and it's just helping that person go through it. I think this is a start. I think we've got to do a little bit yeah. more work to clarify what this looks like. Because if I were to set up a camera while you're doing the treatment, it is one layer below watching paint dry. I would actually rather watch paint dry because at least then there are colors. So if I were just standing there and I were watching a massage therapist working on a patient, I get it. Totally makes sense. You know, they're kneading the muscles and gently relaxing the person and stretching the neck and working on the glutes or whatever it might be. I intrinsically, without really understanding the nuances of it, if you were to show to any lay person, a massage therapist, they'd say they're getting a massage. Now let's set up a camera watching you do your treatment. What are you doing? I love this question. It's amazing. So I'm going to talk about what I do and then what the others aren't doing. So let's say someone's come to me for like a upper back pain, that thoracic spine. There's some back, neck pain, shoulder pain, all that stuff. So massage therapists would go in and just kind of work those areas and help release the muscles. But what they're not doing is taking the time. What they're not doing is actually stopping and letting the body come out of a protective response. They have kind of, I always say they have an agenda. And this is why, unfortunately, I can't really 
always enjoy massages that much anymore because you feel the agenda. Now I'm on the arm for 15 minutes. Now I'm on the leg for 15 minutes. And they're not present with you. So really what this is doing is it's getting in touch with the person, the person behind that back pain. What's really going on? So for watching paint dry, it's, it's honestly so much more painful for the high achievers like yourself that are like, but you're not doing anything. It's, it's all about, but what are you going to do? When in my world, what I'm feeling, I'm feeling everything. So for example, if someone were to just place their hand on your chest and stay there as you're lying there, it's, pro- it's uncomfortable. That's not what we're naturally used to. It's kind of intrusive. It's awkward. What's happening? You kind of start burning through all these feelings like, but we're not doing anything. And then you start to drop in. Then you start to find awareness. Someone's actually helping you drop past that protective response, which is all very much in the mind as well. So once you drop past that, amazing things start to happen. That's where the body starts to actually just drop its own muscles. So what I'm feeling, if I'm even saying working on someone's neck and I'm just holding that area, I'll feel that really, really tense, like muscles and fascia, all of it. I'll feel the tenseness of that. And if you just wait one minute, 10 minutes, who knows, whatever it takes for that person, you'll feel things start to soften. You'll feel the muscles release. Then you can start to feel the actual fascia dissolve. And then what happens is as they drop out of the protective response, their own body will start to move to release its tension. And that's the secret. That is the secret of it is that your body knows exactly where the tension is. It knows why it's there and it knows exactly how to release it. So this, even though it looks like nothing, is really just bringing your body in that area into a place that's safe enough to allow it to go through the process that it naturally wants to do but we're so locked that it can't. I have spent almost 10 years now raving about how much I love my topo mat. And I have finally discovered what I now consider the topo mat of desk chairs, the Core 360. The Core 360, spelled Q-O-R, is designed to keep me constantly moving while seated in an upright and balanced position. To learn more about how it works, let's hear from Core 360 founder, Dr. Turner Osler, about why he created the Core 360 active sitting chair. When you sit badly, you sit badly for many hours a day. And that's really what the problem is. It's very hard to make yourself get up and do jumping jacks every half hour. But if you just swap to a chair that requires you to be muscularly engaged in order not to fall off, it's an easy bar to clear. For the procrastinators out there who hear all of the statistics and know how bad sitting is and it's the new smoking and they're thinking, that's something I'll worry about in a few decades, you're gonna feel the effects of having more energy at two o'clock in the afternoon or four o'clock in the afternoon that day. And that's the whole point. Your core muscles will be stronger. You'll have less back pain. All of this will make you more available for the rest of the pursuits of your life, your kids, your hobbies, your whatever. For those of us who need to practically live in front of computers to do our best creative work, the Core 360 is going to level up your game. Keep your body moving and keep the creativity flowing. To learn more and purchase what I consider to be the topo mat of desk chairs, please go to optimizeyourself.me slash core360. 
That's optimizeyourself.me slash QOR360. Now I'm going to come from my perspective and I'm going to help people better understand this. Because if we, the, the shortest version of I have the camera set up and you're watching a treatment, the way that somebody would describe it is Julie's holding somebody's head. Um, Julie's still holding somebody's head. Five minutes later, did she turn it? I can't tell. Maybe she did, but it feels like she hasn't moved. And if we were to time lapse it, what you do, and I don't even know because I lose track of time, but what you do in an hour, an hour and a half, if you time lapsed it, it would look like you're moving somebody's head back and forth and they're just relaxing into it and then kind of doing the same thing with an arm or a shoulder. But in real time, it's just absolutely static and still. What's happening from my perspective is somebody on the table, and I've been doing massage therapy, all the various forms for well over 20 years. And until I had this treatment, my favorite thing on the planet was massage therapy. If I were in a financial position to do it, I would literally hire a massage therapist to live in my house, and it would be a daily occurrence because of the just the immense amount of benefits that I get from it. And then I started doing this treatment with you, and all of a sudden, you just kind of put your hands behind my neck. I'm like, all right, we're going to start with kind of releasing the tension in the neck and doing the massage. And all of a sudden, I'm like, why aren't you doing anything? Are we doing something? Are you going to turn my head? Are you going to stretch it? Are you going to put your thumb in the, you know, the trapezius muscle? Are we going to start to do you need like massage? Like, what's going on? Why are we not doing things? Right. And it just becomes really nerve wracking. But then what happens in this? Uh, I've. I've, I've lost count. I've probably worked with 30 plus massage therapists. I had one and frankly, she spoiled me because it was the first person I ever did massage with in LA that would literally life-changing, life-transformational experiences where I would come out of it and I felt like I had been floating and had this transcendent experience and felt completely different. It was like, I'm just going to release 25 pounds of pressure on your body. But the way she did it was intense physical pressure. I mean, it would like you would you would break down in tears from the level of pressure, but she understood how to flow with your body and how it, and it was almost a meditative experience where her breath was connected with mine. It's a really cool experience. But the point is that if somebody were to watch the game tape of that and see the afterwards experience and feeling that I had, it would totally make sense. Like, oh, I can see why you had that transcendent experience. It was super crazy deep tissue. You were releasing all this tension. There's a logic between the treatment and the results. I've gotten the exact same results and more from working with you, but there's no logic for how I got there because there was never any pressure or tension or I'm gonna dig my elbow behind your shoulder blades until you can't take it anymore, right? But what, what I found happens is that, and I don't know how long it takes. In my mind, it probably takes about 20 minutes. Maybe it takes three, maybe it takes an hour. I remember one of the first times we worked together and we were done. I'm like, how long was that? And you're like, it's been three hours. I'm like, what? <laughs> how is that even possible? But what's happening in my mind is I'm thinking, and once I, this was once I settled in. Once I'm like, okay, I get what this is. I'm just going to embrace it. I'm going to see how this works. And all of a sudden, what would happen is I would start to feel the release happening. And this happens in massage too, where I'm like, okay, I, would, I want you to get that one spot or maybe turn, I really want my head to turn to the right. And usually with a massage therapist, you're like, are, are they going to, are they going to hit that spot? Oh crap. They moved down to the shoulders. All right. Well, maybe next time. Or, but you have this intuitive sense of this is really where I want the pressure or the stretch and what happens. And it's not a fluke because it happens over and over and over and over. Oh, can we just turn my head a little bit to the right? Oh, 
my head just turned a little bit to how did she know that I wanted to do that? Oh, you know what? This time, just do like a, a real long, wide stretch five seconds later. Oh, my God, that's exactly the stretch that I wanted. <laughs> so it's like this this experience where you are literally wired inside my head. And at first, I just didn't get it. But now the more that you explain it, you can actually feel my body saying, this is the direction that I want to go. And as soon as I say, this is where I want the relief next, I get the relief there. And it's the craziest experience. What is going on? A few things. So this has a couple layers to it. And you're kind of at the layer one where people are. So it's like Scientology. Yeah, that's right. So I'm just becoming clear. That's what's going on right now. I I see how this works. Yeah. So I think that the first thing to understand is that the movement you're doing, you are not doing, your body is doing. This is the process of unwinding. And I think we might want to back up and explain that a little bit more first. So unwinding is something that we've actually all experienced. This is when you're reading a paper in front of the class and you're shaking. This is when you're going to sleep at night and out of nowhere your leg just kicks. Like you, I'm assuming you've had that. Um, all these different times where your body's kind of moving on its own and it's releasing an energy. That's what unwinding is. This is what we're designed to do, but we shut it down because of our protective response. And also it's not really, you know, suitable in society <laughs> to just be walking around if we have an experience to shake it out in public. But really this is what we're designed to do. And these are things like Peter Levine with somatic experiencing. It's what he's guiding people through. There's all kinds of different techniques that teach this. The first one I actually found out about was TRE, the trauma release experience or exercises, pardon. And it's basically just activating your body's innate ability to literally move on its own and work out its own tensions. So at the core of those tensions might be your stress. It might be an emotional experience you had as a child. It might even really have no story at all. It depends. But that's what we're releasing. So what you're experiencing is unwinding. It's the feeling of your body moving on its own. So what's interesting is you think that I'm moving it, but in reality, I'm so tuned in with you. I don't move during sessions. I'll move between one part of the table to another, but when your neck is moving around, I'm not moving either. If that helps paint that picture. I'm so now I'm just assuming I've become a Ouija board. We've gone from Scientology to a Ouija board. Now I'm really freaked out. That's actually the perfect way to put it. So again, your body knows where the tension is. It knows why It knows why it's there. And it also knows how to release it. So it's going to move on its own and do that. So that's basically what we're tapping into. Now, the more you do this work, and some people right away get into this, they'll feel that their body's doing it on its own right away. For me, I think why I really like this work, I'm so sensitive that the second I know the session is getting ready to start, you don't even have to touch my body and something just, I start shaking and I just like, I start unwinding. It's just my natural process. So I feel really comfortable helping guide people to that place. And really it's just about shutting down that protective response again, just so the body can go into that state that it does on its own. So that is what's interesting is uh, everyone's treatments are, are very different. Some people 
don't really move too much at all, but I can feel that within the tissues, there's a lot going on and they'll have a lot of really large um, epiphanies. Things like that can happen. But yeah, it's it's the process we're designed to do. And it's it's frustrating to me that it's not so widely talked about. But what I'm happy is it is it is happening. Somatic experiencing that kind of therapy is really kicking off heavier and heavier and bringing this kind of process to the world. So it's something that you can do on your own. You don't have to have a practitioner working on you for this to happen. This is something we're literally innately designed to do. And it helps to not only release the muscle tension when you come out of the protective response, but the key to it is it's helping work with the fascia. When a muscle is tense, fascia doesn't know the difference. It's going to form around that muscle. Once that happens, that's when chronic pain starts to really kick in because that's when there's something being held. Your bones, your structure, you're being pulled out of alignment. You're going to start having more injuries. You're going to really start just getting into chronic pain. So what's amazing about unwinding is the body can literally work with its own fashion, a way to release it that doesn't take the elbow. That's why this is the same result as the person that just digs the elbow really intensely. What we're learning more and more about fascia is how important it is in the body. It's literally, it's one continuous web, 3D-like web, never ending from head to toe. And this goes through, it's connected to everything. It's not just laying on the outside of your muscles like a lot of people think. This is through everything, even bone, brain, everywhere. So if you have tension in one part of your body, it's essentially affecting the entire rest of your body. And so the standard way to work with fascia is to take the elbow or to take the muscle whirling ball and just jam it in there, <laughs> experience a ton of pain and loosen it. And the truth is that can work. You know, that can loosen up that fascia. But what it hasn't done is it hasn't taken you down to the level of coming out of your protective response to release that on its own, to release the deeper meaning behind why that muscle is tense, the energy is lodged in there. So it's just going to reform. So what's beautiful about this work when you let the body do it is it doesn't take extreme pain. It doesn't mean it can't be uncomfortable. The places your bodies might take you, the positions that might be turning your neck and head, but it's not that same kind of pain. And that's what makes this permanent. You've now released what's being held inside because what's held inside of us, those suppressed stresses, they want to be released, but they have to be heard and felt first. It's for whatever reason, our body needs that to happen, needs to be felt, experienced, understood, and released. One of the reasons I wanted to talk about the placebo effect first is that if somebody's jamming their elbow or their knee into you, or it's a lacrosse ball, or it's a foam roller with spikes, we know if we're getting results where the results are coming from, right? We feel the pain, we feel the discomfort, therefore it's gotta be doing something, right? It's gotta be getting me results, whereas the process of working with you, you're thinking this couldn't possibly be doing anything. So if you're not accepting to the healing process or understanding that it could be doing something, it's not going to do something. So that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring that up. And I had one additional thought that came to mind in describing the unwinding process. Um, and it actually involves my puppy. So uh, when I was in the, and you and I haven't talked about this yet, and I want to make sure that I'm representing this properly. Uh, 
but when we got uh, our puppy, I wanted to make sure that we got a trainer because I'm just a big believer that if if you want to get to a certain point, whatever that goal might be, the fastest path is just to, if you have it, spend the money to get somebody to do it that's already doing it all day long every day. I could learn from YouTube, but I could pick away and read a book here or there. I'm like, I'm just going to bring in a trainer to tell me all the things that I need to know in the right order so I can train my dog. And one of the biggest challenges we had was taking her for a walk and just just going like crazy, pulling the leash. She was walking me. I wasn't walking her. And we still have a little bit of that challenge to this day, but she's definitely settled down. Um, but the the most amazing realization that I had during the walk was that uh, whenever dogs like kind of sh- shake themselves out, right, we just assume, well, that's, that's what a wet dog does, right? And she would do it. And the, the trainer said, it's really important that you understand what's going on right now. This is how dogs shake off anxiety. If something spooks them or scares them, this is how they just involuntarily shed the anxiety. And now when I take my dog for a walk to this day, I could draw an X on the sidewalk at every single point where she's going to do that because she does it at the same time on every walk. And it's because that's where the dogs are in the neighborhood. Wow. What I've seen happen that's even more fascinating is that I can pinpoint those corners. If the dog that's on the other side of the fence or whatever wasn't there that day, she still shakes it out because she expected for that dog to jump out and bark and scare her. And if it didn't, she still has the exact shake out experience, which I've been watching. And I'm like, this is fascinating. I'm assuming that's an example of unwinding. Perfect. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly what it is. It's not just humans, it's all animals. And so if you watch animals, they're doing it. This is the, especially the freeze response, fainting goats exhibit A. That's exactly what that is. They lock up, they fall over. It's hysterical to us, but that's the freeze response. And that's what we're doing. But we do it on this very unconscious level. And it's so habitual these days because of the amount of stress that we have available at all times. So that's the perfect example of it. One other thing, I call it the gateway drug to unwinding, is a process called pandiculation. And so that's something we all experience, but it's a weird word we don't know about. I was going to say, this sounds like something you're going to get in a spelling bee in the final round. Yeah, going to fail. So that one is the yawn. That one is when we start to stretch, have you ever felt it take over? You know, especially when combined with the yawn and then there's that sound. That is the eye twitch. That's the dog shaking. That's the cat. They, whenever they get up, they do that epic like cat stretch. So that is, it's all the same process. It's the body removing tension on its own. And we're all capable of doing it. It's something that we've just shut down. What's amazing is that if you work on babies or young children, they'll go right into it. Similar like the way I do. I guess I'm just a big baby, but it's like... There's no reason for them to not do it. The reason that we have to not do it is our fear response. It's a matter of surrendering. And surrendering, it can honestly be one of the most difficult parts about being a human, that process of surrender. To surrender enough to let your body completely move on its own. Who knows what's going to come out? Who knows what kind of emotion you might experience? The vulnerability it takes to just step into that process is not only crucial, obviously to have it work, but we have to honor the fact that that's really difficult. That's difficult for people. And that's why this takes 
really the appearance of me not doing anything. It takes that presence, calmness, awareness, that safety. So letting someone feel safe enough to just allow that natural process to happen. Going to go back to something you mentioned a second ago, because I'm very much a recovering perfectionist and a high achiever. I have to admit, I'm a little disappointed that I'm only at level one and I'm not at level two. What? What is it that I'm missing if I'm only at level one and there's a whole nother level to this madness? Surrendering. It's letting go more than you can possibly imagine yourself letting go. It's the ultimate it. Just, you know what? I don't need any of this anymore. I don't need to hang on to this anymore. I don't need to have to control the way my body holds its tension. I don't need to try and control the way it releases it. I give up and let it happen. So level two people are typically those who are in extreme chronic pain. They're in extreme suffering. They have nothing left. They don't care. They have no fight left. Even if they wanted this to not happen, there's no fight left for them. So when they lay down, it's it's a beautiful process where they just naturally start expelling these suppressed memories, emotions, tensions, experiences. And the most amazing things happen from that. All these weird lifelong pains are gone. All these weird lifelong emotional experiences have been lifted. And the process that comes after that is so beautiful because not only does the body know how to release everything that's being held, but it always has a message for us. After something's released, it goes right into the mind. It gives us the most epic insight or message we could possibly imagine. And so it's a lot about understanding, oh, that's what I was hanging on to this whole time. This is why I don't need to hang on to that anymore. So really, yeah, advancing to the point where this just naturally happens is a just absolute process of full surrender and allowing. And it's, that's hard for people. It's vulnerability. It's fear of judgment. It's fear of what if this absolutely breaks me? What if I actually feel what I'm suppressing fully breaks me? And what's funny is you can feel the worst pain in your life. And in a few moments, it's gone and you'll never feel better. And we've avoided that pain for decades. And it's just so beautiful to let the body do what it does naturally and just go right into that process and release. So the more you can surrender, and it took me a long time to be able to do that myself, not with everything, but especially with the voice. Every kind of release will have a sound. You know, our body will, will release through movement, breath changes, temperature changes, sound. I was really locked in my voice because that was part of my story. Oh, let's just never speak up for ourselves. Let's just let everyone do whatever they want to me. And so that was hard for me to be vulnerable around and let go. But there's really no better gift you can give yourself than to allow yourself to feel the depths of your pain that you've been hanging on to because it doesn't want to be there as much as you don't want to have it there. It wants to release and the other side of that is just beautiful. You step into your power, you step into your purpose, you step into what it feels like to not have a body so completely tensed and in pain all the time. So to me, that's worth the moments of just allowing vulnerability and allowing that discomfort to happen. Well, I want to make sure that we can give people this gift 
And simultaneously, I very much have a alternate uh, ulterior motive that you and I have discussed behind the scenes, but it's time to put this out into the universe. We need to get you back into Los Angeles. This whole nomad lifestyle, I'm going <laughs> to live free amongst the trees and the rocks. It's all wonderful. <laughs> but you and I have the goal of we want to get you back to Los Angeles, not because you want to re-embrace your love of concrete, uh, but because you have discovered that this is really where your tribe is. And the version of you that feels the most like you is being around the community that we've created and being more actively involved. And one of the reasons that we struggle to do that just comes down to numbers. And I firmly and strongly believe that the service that you provide to others literally is transformational. So for those that are listening today that are thinking, this could be interesting and I might want to give this a shot. I want to make sure that they know how to connect with you and we can get you out here to start helping people not only manage and live with their chronic pain, but actually embrace it, surrender to it, and maybe even eliminate it. So what does that look like? If I wanted to actually work with you, what what is that process? Yeah, so I do two things. One is the, the body work that you've experienced where I will personally be with you and work with you to facilitate your unwinding. The other process is online. I hate the word coaching, but it's, you know, it helps describe what it is. How funny is it, by the way, that you said you hate the term coaching, given the work that you and I are doing together? It's just so, it's been taken and made something and now I don't like it. It's not that I don't like that. It's just, I don't know if it quite fits what I would describe. I would say educating. I help educate. Um, not sure how to put it, but you can learn how to unwind on your own. You don't have to have someone helping you. Basically, when I work on someone, it's a nice addition to help you come out of the freeze response. But we're all capable of this ability. So I help to train people how to do that at home. What I find is the combination is really profound because there are certain things that you're going to really release and deal with only in the comfort of a practitioner being with you. And there's certain things that you're going to release and deal with only when you're alone. So knowing both is really, really, I think, crucial, experiencing both. But those are the two ways that I help people deal and, you know, fix chronic pain and not just manage it. All right, sold. How do I do it? What's the next step? Somaticfocus.com. That's my website somaticfocus.com. Okay. And yeah. I'm assuming that you're very approachable and reachable and uh, yes. looking for people to, to connect with you and uh, anybody that would like me to facilitate the connection. Uh, I'm pretty sure I can get a hold of Julie directly. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty confident that we have a uh, we have a first person connection, whether it be via Slack, via text message, via the multitude of email addresses that I have and the multitude of them that you are able to manage behind the scenes or via whatever connection we have yet to determine or understand is literally the direct connection between our brains. Yeah. Right. Which, which we call the Zuli path. Yep. So on that note, one final question. You probably know it's coming because you've listened to a podcast or two. Maybe you don't. We're going to play a time traveling game. Oh, here it comes. She sees the, I see the face. She knows the question. <laughs> we're going to time travel. And I think you know the moment we're going to time travel back to. You're staring in the mirror. You're looking at yourself with the bloodshot eyes. What advice do you give yourself? Well, speaking of bloodshot eyes, 
totally going to cry. Um, you know, I would tell myself you're capable. You're capable of anything that you want to do. You don't have to do what you think you have to do to survive. You're capable. You're powerful. You're intelligent. You're giving. You're smart. Just go. Just run. Just go. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, I appreciate everything that you've done for me, for this program behind the scenes. Uh, I'm glad that we could finally talk to talk you into getting in front of a microphone uh, and sharing all this. And I think this is just going to be the, the catalyst and the, the very beginning of something much larger to come. Cannot advocate or uh, emphasize enough for anybody that's listening, whether or not you're skeptical, this is something that you want to investigate if you are managing or, dare I say, suffering from chronic pain. This is literally a game changer. So on that note, I want to thank you for finally allowing us to get this conversation on the record. And I have a feeling that there will be more conversations like this to come. So, cool. Zuli, thank you for being with us today. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. I'll be talking to you soon. Thank you so much for investing both your time and energy listening to today's show. If you were inspired by this conversation, don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app of choice and most importantly, leave a review because that helps move the show to the top of iTunes and get our message out there to those who need it the most. Simply visit optimizeyourself.me slash subscribe to never miss another episode. Lastly, stay safe, healthy, sane, and most importantly, be well. One last thing before I lose you. If you haven't already, I want to make sure that you subscribe to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'm even going to send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me slash newsletter, and I will see you in your inbox.